Hi, I'm Deandra Simmons from the Real Housewives of Dallas, and I'm mingling with the Mimosa Mamas. Hi, Hi, welcome back. Good morning, Erin. Good morning. Cheers. Cheers. Ting ting. Of course, we have mimosas in hand. Yes, We're of still drinking our delicious holiday mimosas because it's the holidays. Yes. We what? add apples and cranberry apple cider. It's delicious. It is. I mean, it's one of our favorite drinks. I mean, we literally yeah. drink mimosas every day. <laughs> we do. We have no shame in saying this. And today is a especially celebratory because we have our very first Real Housewife with us today. Welcome, please, Deandra Simmons. Welcome, Deandra. Hello, ladies. Hi. 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 Great. Deandra, we are so happy to have you here with us. So listeners, we know you know her from the Real Housewives of Dallas from season two till current, but Deandra is a gorgeous Texas native born and raised in Dallas, and she's been in the beauty business for 23 years. She's also an incredible philanthropist, board member for UNICEF, and a global ambassador for Mercury One. She is also releasing a very exclusive movie with her husband, Jeremy, called My Brother's Crossing, and she's gonna tell us all about all of that in our discussion today. Again, cheers to having you on, Deandra. How's oh, your morning? Send it your way. We promise we will send you all of our oh, yeah. unique recipes that we have. We have so many. In the summer, we love popsicles in them. Oh, and yeah. So I, I have such a sweet tooth, and I always add sugar, any kind of sugar, if it's fruit or syrup or something to my mimosa. So Erica's seen all sorts of things that I've done, I and she's like, where's the orange juice and where's the champagne? I want a real damn mimosa. <laughs> So, oh, yeah. Deandra, what's your go-to drink? Tequila. <laughs> <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> Do you like... I only started drinking tequila because on, it's so funny, on the paleo diet, which I started doing years ago, and I kind of go off and on it, that's the only alcohol you can drink. So, I'm like, okay, I'll be happy with tequila because at least you can drink something. Most diets, you can't have anything. I love my wine, but of course, that's just sugar, sugar, you know, all day long. So, I just stick with the tequila and try to put a lot of lime juice in there and... Um, I do not have a sweet tooth. I'm like you, except for the cake donut. That's it. Oh, oh, yes. That was so cute when Jeremy gave you a box of all those donuts. Were they delicious? They looked amazing. They were, you know, it was just him making fun because that's the way we do in our household. We make fun <laughs> of each other. We joke with each other. And we are, we love that. I mean, my, his, one of his sons, Cohen, is, has the driest sense of humor. He's always making fun of me. I don't know if you thought he went on my Instagram and did my tagline. I don't care. That's just the way we roll at our house. We just like having fun and laughing together. So the donuts did not bother me. And everybody thought, oh, I can't believe he gave donuts. But he actually gave me a diamond bracelet that said R-H-O-D as well. So. Oh, oh, I love that. Sweet. Yeah. Nothing wrong with donuts. So, Deandra, mm -hmm. we want to start off by asking you, what were you like as a child? You talk about always joking around. Were you a jokester growing up? No, I wasn't. I was a nerd. <laughs> I was a complete, I was shy. I was um, pretty introverted. The antithesis of what I am today. And I'll give 100% credit to my attitude and who I am and being outspoken today to going to a women's college in Virginia, a very liberal women's college. Mm. When I went there, I was, I was pretty shy. I mean, I was popular growing up in high school and things like that, but I wasn't, I was, I was just very insecure. So when I went to this women's college, 
anything of that nature. And when I went there, I, I got my confidence. And so that's how I became the person I am today. Now, over the years, it took it took many years for me to develop my opinionated version of myself and feeling okay about whatever I said. If people didn't agree with it, it was fine, didn't matter. So um, it takes years to, I think, get to that point. But I was very shy. I was very, I was a straight-A student. I was into the arts, meaning I was, I liked acting, singing, dancing. I was not the most athletic person. If you've seen the show, you know that. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> they make fun of me all the time. Um, and then I love to, I, I love to eat, as you know, probably from watching the show, and I love to cook. So I was always in the kitchen with my mother and my grandmother's cooking and learning the family recipes. Um, and then we traveled a lot. We traveled from the time I was about 12, well, younger than that, but we started going overseas when I was about 12 years old to Israel and different places. So I love to travel the world and do a broad program. But I was just, I just was very, uh, I was very driven into making good grades. I mean, you know, straight A's were my, I was very determined to do that. That's awesome. Well, it translated into having such a thriving business and being so successful. And I mean, you're such a icon for, you know, women who want to be in the beauty business. And let's chat about your beauty businesses, Hard Night, Good Morning, and... Ultimate Living. So Hard Night, Good Morning is a uh, aloe vera-based skincare line that I developed in 2008. Prior to that, my mother, who's a cancer survivor, started Ultimate Living in 1996, and that was a nutrition company. And two years later, we started making skincare. Now, we still have our flagship product in the Ultimate Living line, which is the Green Miracle. And that's a green food powder. It's full of phytonutrients, antioxidants. It's really what my mother felt like she healed her body with after having cancer. But from there, we looked at the skin's the largest body organ, and we needed to take care of our skin and make clean, healthy skincare products. Now, everything we make is not 100% clean. We have natural products, but I also learned over the years of making products so you have to be careful you're selling to masses you have to make sure that the product will not make anyone sick so you have to protect them against molds fungi fungi viruses bacteria e coli all kinds of things you do have to have some preservative system i used to sell in whole foods we still sell in a few whole foods and they have a specific preservative system that they like to use for the natural products so that's what we use we don't use any parabens sulfates phosphates phthalates anything like that the actives that we buy for the skincare line, some of them come you know, pre-made, and that's what makes the product work. So if somebody looks at my line and they say, well, I don't like this ingredient, it's not one that I'm adding to it. It's something that is in the active that I'm buying, but you have to have the active for, you know, you have to have performance-based skincare products. If they're not performance-based, people won't come back and buy them. So we make the best we can aloe vera natural skincare products that are performance-based that people love their skin. I saw a lady yesterday that had been using it for three weeks. She came to see me at a trunk show. Her skin looks fantastic. So I'm very proud of what I've created with my Hard Neck and Morning Skincare line. We need to get our hands on that product. <laughs> we do. I can have to send you ladies some. Oh my gosh, that would, that would be amazing. We're both in our early 40s. I struggle with psoriasis and I get it really bad on the corner edges of my scalp and it starts to lead into my forehead and it's mm. embarrassing and I have bangs to cover it because smart as a woman you know it's psoriasis it gets really blotchy I'm yeah. sure you you're aware of, our, of it Deandra our appearance so. is so important yeah. Um, you look like you're in your 30s, yes. so whatever you're using, we're we're on board with. Well, I appreciate that. I have been using, you know, if you're going to, if you have um, psoriasis, you 
definitely need to switch to aloe vera based skincare because you could you could really take aloe vera leaves and cut them and put that on your face and you probably would cure yourself of that. Wow. I mean, you could go to the you could go to the market and I don't I'm not quite sure. I know you live in California. You go to the market, get fresh aloe, cut down the center, and put that gel on your forehead, and it would probably go away in a couple of weeks. But you should really switch to aloe vera based skincare because aloe vera is a delivery system. It's very healing to the skin. If you didn't use anything else on your skin but aloe vera, you would still have the anti-aging properties of a natural plant that is healing to the skin. I'm writing that down right now because we this... have it in our backyard. We actually do. Yes, there you go. Oh, there you yeah. Go. You do. I yes. actually read something about another product recently that was that has found for psoriasis. I'll have to try to see if I can find it because I'm always looking for those things. I have friends that have eczema, psoriasis, different conditions they come to me with, skin acne, you know, later later age. So I'm always looking for different products and natural things for them. I'll see if I can remember who that was. I'll try to find it when I get back to my office and let you know. Well, yeah, I Thank hear you. a lot of women talk about acne as we get older. So Erin and I are in our early 40s, and I never broke out as a teenager. And I recently started breaking out in my late 30s. There's a hormone, like a chemical. Mm -hmm. It's hormones. Yeah. 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 All hormones. I did that too. Your Mm -hmm. skin looks incredible. Flawless. Who does your makeup? So when I'm in Dallas, it's Beauty Dish Studios. And his name is Ray Medrano. R-E-Y Medrano. And lives at Maine Atelier. Does my hair. And then when I'm in New York... There's a lady named Katie Nova, Katie Nova Makeup, and she happens to be Andy Cohen's second makeup artist. Caroline wow. is his normal makeup artist, and then Katie would be his second second makeup artist. But she's she's fantastic. She did my makeup for Watch It Happens Live, and she also did it for Reunion. Now, Ray is my everyday go-to in Dallas. He's also fantastic. He works on a lot of sets, a lot of uh, movies and TV shows. So they're both familiar with the camera, and they're both very, very good, and I'm very blessed to have them in my life. My life. I love whoever does your eyebrows. Everything is just... But then when you have natural beauty like you do, you know, it doesn't take much. They really do a fantastic yeah. job. Well, I like people always get on to me about wearing makeup. This is the thing about makeup for me. I enjoy wearing it. It's not to hide something. It's because it's fun for yes. me. Yeah. So people say, hey, you shouldn't wear so much makeup. You yes. shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> that's their opinion. And I understand that's fine. That's their opinion. But I don't do it to hide anything. I'm doing it because it's fun. I can totally understand because I do makeup on the side for friends and I'm always practicing on eyebrows. It's therapeutic for me. When I'm doing my face in the morning or later on in the day, it's like therapy for me. It's like art. It's painting. Right. So people need to lay off me for a little bit. Yes, they do. So many people. You shouldn't wear so much makeup. You're so much prettier. All those commentaries and it's, it's constant and ongoing, but what they don't Aww. understand is I'm not doing it to hide. I'm just doing it to have fun. Yeah, to accentuate. So I have to ask right. you, Deandra, because I'm a Southern girl born and raised. Were mm. you brought up to... Oh, I'm from Florida, North Carolina, and Kentucky. I told Erica my Southern accent will come out when I'm talking to you because I hear your beautiful twang, and it reminds me of home. (laughs) So I feel at home talking to you. It's really nice. Were you raised to have a face on at all times? Because I felt like when I was younger, we couldn't even go get the mail without having, you know, base on. Like, it was such a sin to, like, not have makeup on all the time. So I'm curious, like, were you kind of raised in that same way or more of a rebel against that? And I was definitely raised that way. My mother would not step out to go to the mailbox without a full face of makeup yeah. on and full wig. So 
She's worn a wig since she had cancer. And actually, Andy, did I can tell you something? Andy asked for the wig for the clubhouse at reunion, so she keeps getting a wig. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so she's worn. She's always worn makeup. I, when I was younger, started to kind of go out without the makeup and my hair, you know, a ball cap or something. And my mm-hmm. mother would say, oh, "What are you doing?" Or she, the right. funny part of the whole thing, she would. We'd be out someplace and say there was somebody I hadn't met before, and she'll say, "This is my daughter. She doesn't look good today. She doesn't have her makeup on or her hair done." <gasps> yes. <laughs> Right, you're fine with it, but she wasn't. Exactly, I can completely oh relate. <laughs> Is that the way you're going to do your hair? Are you not going to curl your hair? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Or like a backhanded compliment. My mom is perfect with those, like always on point with those backhanded compliments. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm so glad we're talking about Mama D. Were you always close with your mama growing up? We had our ups and downs. We still do, obviously. That's very much on the show. So what's on the show is exactly how we are in real life. We'll okay. talk sometimes for every day, two, three times a day. Then we will get mad at each other and won't talk for a month. I mean, it's just, <laughs> we both have fiery tempers and personalities. So we do have a very good relationship. My mother's older now. We had a very difficult time this season with regards to the business and her letting go. And the way it was given to me was not optimal, but we've gotten through that and we're in a good place now. And we are back to square one. I don't want to fight with her anymore. I don't want to fight with her about money, the business, anything like that. People have to understand, I wasn't upset about the trust or I don't think anyone should give me money. But when you pluck me out of a career in D.C. where I'm making my own money and you say, come to Dallas because I want to give you this company. I don't want to work anymore. Then, and I made a, a life choice that I didn't have to make. I did something that my parents really wanted me to do. And then to have to inherit a company that is not in a optimal situation, that's very difficult. I'm not spoiled or think that I deserve anything that anybody else doesn't have or that I should get my trust. That was not it. What it was was being uprooted from a career I was very happy in. And what were you doing in D.C. exactly? Yeah, so my last job was at Department of Energy, and I was actually I was working in the Office of Civilian Radioactive Waste Management, so I was Special Assistant for Communications, which is more like a press person. And then I was offered uh, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Energy Efficiency, and I declined that job to move home. Wow. So my trajectory would have been to leave there and become a lobbyist, because that's really essentially what I did on on the Hill for Energy Department for the President, was lobbying about the different energy issues that we wanted passed on the Hill. So that's that's where I would have gone is into a lobbying firm. Your career would have taken such a different turn, but you're happy with the decision you made, it sounds like, and you're at peace with that. I'm happy because I, the part of me that was really suffering, I guess, in my soul was the artistic part. And I grew up, as I said, acting, dancing, singing, and I really missed that a lot. So I would never have actually gone back to that. And Real Housewives has somewhat opened a door for me to go back and practice that part of my my life that I love so much. And I have auditions, and I'm doing a little bit of acting, and I just, I'm doing my podcast, which is a way for me to just be, you know, do the funny things that I like to do and be silly and comedic and so those doors have opened, which those doors would not have opened if my life had taken a different turn. And people always say, why didn't you, when you knew the company wasn't in great shape, why didn't you do your due diligence? Or why did you stay? Why didn't you get another job? But think about this. I couldn't have really gotten another job and stayed on Real Housewives because Real Housewives is essentially another full-time job because we film February until the end of May, and wow. then we're still doing confessionals. And those days are long days. You can't just say to your employer, 
in a, another, I'm in a contract with Bravo, and then I have my business that allows me to work for Bravo when I need to work for Bravo, and then also do my business when I need to do my business. So it's just, it, it, there was a lot of thought processes going into those decisions that people don't understand when they're out there judging, why are you doing this, why are you doing this, why are you not doing this? I think with being in the public eye, there's always somebody that's always going to judge you or question your actions, and it sucks because you are, at the end of the day, you are a human being. You're a real person with real feelings. And, you know, it's crazy that now with social media, there's just so many people throwing out their opinions. And it's like, really? It's insane. So, Deandra, what led you to joining the cast of Dallas? Well, when I joined, they asked me to join the first season, and it just wasn't the right timing for me because I believe at that point, I can't remember, I had just cheered, or I was cheering the UNICEF Gala in Dallas. I had agreed to cheer the Salvation Army Luncheon, which is about 800 women. It's a big luncheon, 850 women. And then I also had agreed to chair Cancer Blows, which is another big cancer gala. So it was difficult. When you're doing that, it's a little bit difficult when you're doing a show like that to then be chairing balls and all these other things. And a lot of people have different opinions about a Real Housewives show because they are controversial. And so I said, let's just wait a year. And then the next year, if you still want me to join the cast, then let's talk again. And I can join the cast at that time, which is what happened. I joined the cast. Uh, season two. So I joined because of the fact that I thought it would be good for my business and it has been good for my business. And also because I wanted to do, like I said, the podcast came about from it. My different acting opportunities come about from it. Production opportunities, things in the arts that I had really missed being a part mm. of. And so for me, it was the right decision. It hasn't been incredibly difficult. Oh my God, I would never get to have such a thick skin it's very difficult at times and you have people on a show that will persecute you left and right because for whatever reason they feel like you know that's what they they could do I, I mean I, I don't know I would never do things like that to anyone so I was persecuted for a year and a half horribly and it was very hard and I'm finally to the point where I turned the corner and I don't care anymore and you can say whatever you want to say about me but I know who I am <laughs> so I mean, it shows this season. Yeah, definitely. We, we are behind you 100%. Oh, yeah. You, you Steph, above. She stands her ground. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, no one can say anything to you, and we love that. And we're literally laughing for you on the other side. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. Absolutely. And our podcast is all about empowering women. Empowering and you are women. such a woman empowering other women. I mean, we love it. And you are, an, you are a person that we can look up to and, you know, because we both have insecurities and we can say, hey, it doesn't matter, you know, as long as we're secure in ourselves and who we are. And I just feel like at any one time, someone is being attacked on something, you know? I mean, it's, it's like, a shady show. People need to understand how <laughs> show should, number one, be a comedy. Two, it's a shady show. Get over it. It's not that big of a deal. It's not the end of the world. It's just TV. <laughs> yeah, right. I, yeah, exactly. It's TV unless you take it to an extreme and say, oh, my life is ending. The world is going coming to an end. It's overly dramatic. And people need to understand that it's it's just TV. Everyone needs to chill out. So if you do <laughs> some that. silly things or you do some, throw some shade, then that's kind of what you're supposed to do on these shows. You, know? right. <laughs> you have a pretty fun cast, though. There's some that... I'm staring at the TV, scratching my head, like, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> but we're yeah. curious, who are you closest with from the cast? So I'm very close to Stephanie. We talk a lot on the phone. I'm very close to Carrie. 
Brandy. I, I would say Stephanie, Carrie, Brandy, and I are really close friends. And then Cameron and I, we had a little hiccup last year. Mm-hmm. We've been better friends this year, but because of her close relationship with Leanne, I have to feel like I, I have to be very careful with that relationship. That makes a lot of sense. So we were asking our listeners some fan questions for you. And the one that kept coming up, which I'm sure you're not shocked, (laughs) is what is your current relationship status with Leanne? No, we're not on good terms. I tried to get back to a friendship with her this year, but if you notice, we're now almost to the end of the season. Every time I would extend an olive branch, she would make another excuse for something I needed to do. And she she had no sincerity about being friends with me. She can say whatever she wants to say all day long, but she had no intention of being friends with me. Mm-hmm. She made no real effort, and I did make the effort. And when she kind of iced me out of all of her wedding, that was pretty telling. Yeah. And in my opinion, I will tell you my opinion, my opinion is that she did that because she wanted to make me irrelevant so that I would be fired. But it worked the opposite way for her because of the fact that then they talked about me at all her wedding programs and wedding parties, which unfortunately for her, that was a bad decision because that's what happens with these shows. You think you get you get such a big head and you think it's all about you and it's your show and that you can do anything and you can control the narrative and you can self-produce. When you start self-producing is when you lose. And that's, in my opinion, what happened this year is that she tried to ice me out thinking I would get fired and quite the opposite happened. It infuriates me to watch this on TV with women, especially Leanne, kind of dictating and bossing how a friendship should be played out. To me, in life, again, you talk about your opinion and, you know, we're a podcast and we obviously we like to share our opinions. To me, I've always shared with my closest friends You know, I'm going to love you unconditionally and I could never be upset with you over something that's so petty and so dictating everything. Like, you need to do this. You're not doing that right. You need to do this. And it's like, excuse you, you're a grown ass woman. It's so conditional. I mean, it's so, so conditional. Almost like a child. You have to buy me this and then I'll be your friend. Like that kind of thing. It's like very tit for tat or very petty. What I think Leanne has forgotten is that there's six women on this show. It's not all about her. When she did her interviews this year, she was talking about what was happening this season. Oh, it's just my wedding, my wedding, my wedding. Well, the wedding didn't even have a full episode. She also said she got a wedding spinoff, which didn't happen. She told everybody she was getting a wedding spinoff. So, oh my goodness. I'm sorry. In my opinion, that was the most boring housewives wedding I've ever seen in the history of housewives. So, I mean, <laughs> sorry. That, I will say that because I wasn't there and I watched it. It was boring. Vows were sweet, but the rest of the wedding was boring. Would have been much more interesting had all of us been there. And then I would not have, I'm not going to cause a scene at somebody's wedding. But the other thing is, Rich had said, if you watched the show, he said he had already forgiven me. That was her decision. And sometimes we make the wrong decisions. And I think she made the wrong decision, but she thinks she made the right one. So, you know, it is what it is. Can I just say also, I love how the, how Bravo edited you eating oh my gosh. in the kitchen. We enjoyed the competition between you and Jeremy way more than the wedding. We're just like, get back to Jeremy and Deidre. We want to know who wins. People actually love that. It was funny. I love how they did the timer, but I had so many fans reaching out and saying, hey, we love the cooking between you and your husband. That was so funny. And you had so much food. We could probably spend the whole wedding party. It's not that much, but you know what I mean. We had a lot of food and we were enjoying our meal and we were invited. So it's... My husband wouldn't have gone anyway. He just would not have gone to the wedding. But So we just enjoyed our own time at home that night. You have to think about you know, the decisions you want to make when you're on 
the producers also will help you, and, and they will say, well, how do you feel? What do you think? And then they'll say, you know, this may be good or may not be good. So you kind of have to, whatever decision you make, you have to say, okay, take responsibility for it. But you have the ultimate say. Like, if you wanted to, I don't want to say crash the wedding, but you know what I mean. If you wanted to show up, <laughs> You could have, right? That would have been an option. Oh, like, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah I could do whatever that. I wanted to do, of course, but I have no interest in going, so. <laughs> right? Yeah. So you, you should have wore that dress from Thailand. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> we'll talk about that, but one second. I want to ask her, because you love to cook and we love food oh, as gosh, much as you do. We do. What are your, some of your favorite meals that you like to make? Oh, Lord, I cook so many different things. I love to make curries. I love to make uh, roast meats. Mm-hmm. I love Ooh. to... Um, do a good potato dish. I like, um, we use a lot of, we have a lot of different vegetables. We go to the Asian market and try new things all the time. Let's see. I'm not, like I said, I'm not a big sweets person, so I don't really make a lot of sweets. I do, I even bake bread. I do all kinds of things. Oh, bake bread? Oh, yum. Uh, can you share a little <laughs> recipe for baked bread? This is so funny. So, we grew up, my grandmother just made biscuits every single morning. Oh, so my gosh. So she just throw the flour in there, the shortening in there, baking soda Ooh. in there, and just, you know, I don't know, I can't remember if she had baking powder or not, buttermilk. Just, she would just stick it in there, just no measuring at all. And they were the best biscuits <laughs> you've ever had. So there's a roll, a dinner roll that we make, and it, you're going to laugh. You use, it's called the donut flour. You have to get it at a donut oh. place, actually, and uh-huh. it makes a better, or donut yeast, I think. I can't remember, but it makes a better roll, dinner roll, than anything else you've ever had. My mother has a great recipe for bread. It's very simple, and I don't have it off the top of my head, but I, I try everything. I mean, it's just one of those things where I just kind of try things, and then if I'm doing gluten or yeast-free, then I'll just – I'm not allergic to gluten. I'm allergic to yeast, which is weird. So that's oh. kind of not supposed to have bread, and when I have it, I gain some weight. <laughs> is oh there my gosh. any way that we could link, if you're open to sharing with everyone, a one favorite recipe, like holiday recipe that we can add to this episode? That would be fun. Would you be open to that? I when I get home. Everything that you make, my mouth is literally drooling. Like it's watering. Like, yep. Yeah. Watering. Did I see my mouth is drooling? drooling. <laughs> We've been drinking um, <laughs> since about eight thirty. So, <laughs> our time. <Okay. laughs> we would love to know what are some of your favorite moments from the show so far. I mean, you've been on for several seasons, but what kind of pops out in your mind as just really memorable? Well, so this year when I dressed like my mother, that was oh a blast gosh, for yes. me. I enjoyed it. She was freaked out. Everybody in Dallas was freaked out because I looked so much like her. You did. That was one of my favorite moments this year. The first season, we had a really good time. I'm trying to think when we went to Mexico on that trip. That was a I'm trying to think specifically what was so much fun, but we had we had some fun moments. I think when Cameron was being chased around by the dildo, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Classic. <laughs> um, he was so uncomfortable, and it was I was there for it. It was everything. And then the second season, I really, I thought it was funny. The butt darts thing was funny, but Cameron took offense to it, but I thought it was hilarious. Oh, it was hilarious. <laughs> we were like, lighten up. That's funny oh my gosh poor girl Cameron she really needs to lighten up she needs to loosen up some a bit she's a little too hard on herself I think she has she places a lot of judgment on herself and Mm -hmm. what others think and it's like you only live Mm -hmm. once enjoy life impossible standards that's just my theory in life okay let's dive right into talking about your philanthropy oh my gosh yes all of your amazing causes that you represent just what are you passionate about right now 
So we work, my husband is a photojournalist. He's a World Press Photo Award winner, seven-time military photographer of the year. And so he works with Mercury One, an organization uh, that was started by Glenn Beck. He does a lot of their photojournalism. They do humanitarian relief, disaster relief, veterans programs. They're building a museum. So he does a lot of different things with them. They brought me on as the global ambassador. And the first trip we went on was to Iraq. And my husband was so excited because he could take me back where he was deployed. And when I was there, I met with women and children that had been captured by ISIS. And they would tell their stories. We had rescued them. Mercury One had gone in and rescued them. They have a team of military people that go in and rescue women and children, and we met with the Yazidi prince, met a lot of Yazidi women, also met with a lot of Iraqis that had been, Christians that had been captured, and Muslims that had been captured, and just talked to them and learned their stories, and, you know, came home just with a huge appreciation for what these people do and how these people had suffered. So what Mercury One does and the, the risk they take to save these people and how these women and children had suffered, it was just, it would break your heart to hear the stories. You're talking about women that have been bought and sold 11 to 19 times, raped oh hundreds of times by different men, the kids growing up in a culture of violence, how to really change the course of an entire generation that has grown up in these horrific experiences. And then we also met, we had a family that we had taken to Beirut, to Lebanon, to get a cochlear implant. One of the girls was 22 years old. She'd never heard before. And we were there the first time she heard, and she went to a family wedding, and, and to see her dance and hear music was just such a touching experience. And now I have different cases that I've worked with, and, and most of them, actually all of them, have been immigrated to Australia, and they're doing well. They're speaking English. They are um, they're in jobs. They have families that have looked over them. They have a new life, and they just have a totally different experience than, than what they were going through and just the horrific experiences that they had in Iraq and Syria. So that's where my heart is. And we also work with UNICEF, Children First, and the different programs that they support all over the world to make sure every child has food and water and services and immunizations and has a clean environment and education. That's really important to us. In addition to that, my mother, being a cancer survivor, donates quite a bit of money to UT Southwestern and um, we, there's Simmons Cancer Center there, but we just gave $100,000 to the kidney and bladder program for some specific research for women who have frequent UTIs because nobody would fund that. My That's mother and I just awesome. gave 100000 for that uh, particular research program at UT Southwestern. Another area, my husband and I really support veterans' causes, and we're working with a third-year app, which is a free app that veterans and also uh, refugees can download for free, and it gives you meditation healing music. A lot of deceased artists have come in to give up their time and their talents to help heal people because it's proven that healing meditation music really helps people with ha having really bad PTSD. So that's fun. We're really enjoying being a part of that now as well. Deandra, what's the name of that app that you just mentioned? It's called Third Ear, the Third Ear app. And it's with Project Peace on Earth, but it's the Third Ear app and you can download it if you're a veteran or a refugee. You can find it. They have a way to download it for free so you can get the the free services of having that to just soothe you, calm you down when you're feeling anxious about what you know you have gone through or something like that. And it really, listen to it, it really does help. Oh my gosh, we could both benefit from that. Who doesn't have something that causes them anxiety these days, right? Uh, I listen to a meditation in the morning and then I listen to a sleep meditation at night or a sleep story and it really does help me have a better quality of life. 
Oh, yeah. Wow, thank you for uh, you sharing. Know, I'm just sitting here in awe of the woman that you are. Yeah, All I you. see is like superwoman. Yeah. That's what I would thank you so much. define you as because I'm literally touched almost in tears with Same. what you just shared with us and shared with our listeners because there's a lot of us that don't are not aware of what's going on in different countries. You know, we hear it on the news, we see it, you know, we turn on Good Morning America in the morning. And, you know, it's there and it just doesn't register until hearing you talk about the actual experience that you had. And to be connecting with other women from different countries. I'm, I'm going to get emotional. I know. She's about to cry. <laughs> just connecting with other women from other countries. I know. If there's anything we could do to help yes, bring please. awareness, please let us know. We would be so I will so definitely honored. tell you what the different things we're doing at Mercury One. And they also do human trafficking, sex trafficking, and, and things of that nature. So they have another group called Operation Underground Railroad that they support that goes in and really saves women and children that are trafficked. And they also have organ trafficking that they're trying to stop now by busting into the labs. And it's very horrific, some of the things that we've seen, the videos and the information that we're debriefed on. But it's very important that we know it so we can combat it all over the world and save these people that are just being mistreated in the most horrific ways. I'm sorry, did you say organ trafficking? Yes, organ trafficking. So that's where ISIS is getting their money now, is they are taking children and they're harvesting their organs without giving them any anesthesia or anything. It's horrible. (gasps) I've seen the videos. It's disgusting. You can't even imagine. That is unimaginable. That is horrific. That's a new thing that they've been uh, busting these labs that where this has been happening. So that's just, I mean, these people are monsters. So we don't really talk about that in this country, but these people are monsters. You know, just for you to have this platform, Deandra. I was just about to say, yes. I mean, this is incredible for you to be sharing this with everyone. Keep voicing it out. I mean, I know I don't have to tell you this because you will scream it from the top of your lungs on what (laughs) you've seen, what is going on with the world. And we Mm. want to be more philanthropic as a podcast, as our platform grows. And, you know, if you could kind of show us the ways of how to do that. Because we really look up to you and we're just... We just thank you so much for using the platform that you have for these amazing causes and to raise awareness and to be actively helping these people, these poor people that are and in children. I horrendous mean, I, conditions and, and places. And, oh and my ISIS God. has not gone away just because that's what they said. They're, they're, still, they're just populating they're still, in different places. So oh they're very active in the Philippines, very active in Africa. They're still very active in Syria in certain pockets. So they haven't disappeared. Yes, they have killed some of the main leaders, but they're spread out now all over the world. So that's the the thing. They were concentrated in one place, but now they've been spread out even more. And so it's just a constant ongoing battle that people don't realize to combat the horrific things that they're doing to people. I mean, your mama and I know your dad has passed on, but they are beyond proud of you and what you're doing. I mean... Some days more than others. <laughs> <laughs> I love well, that. That's the parent-daughter, you know, relationship. Yes. But I mean, just to be doing what you're doing. And also, so does this come from a young age? You brought up traveling when you were young. Is it because you saw the difference in kind of, you know, obviously how you were growing up and how others were growing up? You saw the difference? I think because I started, you're right, I, I started going to places like India, South America, Africa from a younger age and saw that people live differently and they don't have the resources and the benefits that we have of being American and growing up with 
so many things that we need to be grateful for. Now, there are people here that go hungry. There are people here that are homeless that suffer, and and we have those issues as well. But in general, it's not like what I've seen in these other countries. I mean, it's very, very different to watch people suffer and little children walk the street and have, I mean, just nothing, no one there for them. And I've lived, I was in a trash dump in Namibia with where the kids lived, and my husband and I did a whole story there. And there was a one woman with a Christian orphanage, orphanage or Christian organization that was really trying to go in and help them, and but she was just one person. So they lived in the trash, in the containers, the shipping containers. That's where they slept at night, and they ate out of the trash, basically the, the trash dump. So oh I've seen gosh. so many, and that's Namibia. Namibia is not the worst of the worst in Africa. That's one of the best countries in Africa. So it's, you know, you see things, and I've seen a lot of things all over the world that just touched my heart and tugged at my heart. So when I could make a difference, I immediately stepped up and said, okay, how can I make a difference? And I've been a fundraiser in Dallas for many years. I'm not currently doing that. I'm now enjoying being a spokesperson for organizations, which I really love, but I know I've, I've put myself in the middle of these places all over the world to see what really is going on and not just live in my bubble. So, yes, that's where I developed the heart for service and for helping other people as long as I could. We are so glad. And there... I will continue. Good. Please do. And we are so glad that there are people like you in this world. And and we're sending you a hug through yes. the phone. Yeah, and hopefully we'll be able to meet you in, you in person someday. We would love to attend BravoCon yes, next year. we didn't get to go this year, but we heard it was incredible. We actually were talking to Gay Man with a Spray Tan that you got to meet, actually, there. And yeah, we interviewed with him uh, last week, and he just spilled all the tea. But is there anything that you wanted to say that was memorable from BravoCon this year? Um, Luann had invited me to her show at 6 o'clock when I got the call, and I thought, well, I'm really not supposed to be there because I wasn't invited. I mean, there was only Leanne and Brandy from our franchise, so so we weren't invited, so I wasn't going to show up or get a ticket for something where I wasn't invited to, but she had reached out through a friend of ours, Chanel Amari. Personally, they had invited me. And so I decided the last minute just to go to that because I had went to see her show for so long. But, of course, I went in the back door, and then I sat on the front row. I had no idea where she was going to seat me, and then everybody saw that I was there. So, of course, it caused controversy. People are saying, oh, you're thirsty because you came to Bravo Call. I just went to Luann's show, and then I had to go to the bathroom, which meant I had to walk through the whole thing and see everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. We saw photos of you. Yeah, we just assumed that you (laughs) you were there. Another fan question that we had. We got to see Thailand on the last few episodes, but when they cut the cameras, we kind of were wondering what was going on behind the scenes. We saw cams, like little illustrations on the board, but from your point of view, what was that like? I cannot imagine what that was. One of the things in Thailand to do in the tours is to go to the red light district, kind of like Amsterdam. And it's it just it is what it is. It's it's adult people working in the sex industry. So not you know I know that I work on the other hand with these different organizations, but it wasn't children or anything like that. I'm not saying that it's not the best thing to do is to go there. But these girls, everybody wanted to go. I was just, I'm always up for doing whatever anybody wants to do. I think you probably noticed that. So we were supposed to take the cameras into the drag show, but for some reason they didn't allow us to. So we didn't get to do that. And so the Ladyboy Club, we went to first, and then we went to um, this ping pong show, which I didn't know anything about. I had heard about it. Some of the husbands had obviously been. So it was just a, a woman basically shooting things out of her vagina. My oh, good Lord. And I, and I thought they were going to be shooting it at each other. They were shooting it at us. It was kind of gross. Because they were, like, dodging. Well, they and... first start with balloons on your head. They shoot darts out of their hoo-ha. Oh. And then no. after that, they do the ping pong. 
else, and then the ping pong balls, but we, you, they give you a paddle, so you're <gasps> supposed to shoot the ping pong balls back to them with the paddle. Mm-hmm. But of course, if you're not that great, you're getting crap all over your body, like all over your dress, you need to be burned. It was kind of gross, yeah. Oh my exactly. god. And darts, actual darts were flying out of their vajayjays? Oh, they were flying, everything was flying out of that place. Crazy. <laughs> they must have some really good, they must do some really good Kegel exercises. Okay? Right. So they they must. I mean, oh I'm God. just squeezing my coochie right now because I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't, I mean, I birthed a child, but I can't imagine shooting a dart out of my, that is nuts. I, and know, I, I, gotta, I gotta up my game on my Kegel exercise. <laughs> <laughs> I think our husbands would be, they would be grateful. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Exactly. Oh my gosh. It was, I mean, it was something else. It was just something to see. We stayed literally 10 minutes or less. And then same thing with the other show. We were there for 20 minutes. I mean, it was just to go because people wanted to go. They wanted to see it. And yeah. I don't have any remorse about going. It's not a big deal. And people can, you know, that was another big topic at reunion discussed about whether or not we were supporting the sex, you know, industry. And oh, my God. Oh, how ridiculous. Of that. But I'm telling you, I'm sure people, when you go to Amsterdam, you go to Red Light District. Everybody does it. They, yes. I mean, it's just one of those things. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm not going to sit here and try to defend it, but at the time it was just a group decision. You are a tourist, I being mean, a tourist. I mean, you get crucified for anything nowadays. Okay. It's ridiculous. Let's talk about the red dress real quick. Red dress, your dress. Oh Your yes, yes. sexy Tell high us. ponytail. Oh my god, reunion you beyond stunning. We want to know everything about designer it. designer for the dress. So I had on Bachelor Mishka Couture, and that dress is very structured, very which I said boss bitch. I loved very simple, and it fit me perfectly. I think it was really funny when people said that I need to get my clothes altered because they didn't fit. Actually, the dress fit me like a glove. Besides the fact that I got the bottom hems, the dress was just really felt comfortable in it so I loved my look I loved my high pony Katie created the makeup and Liz uh, from Made Atelier created the high pony with that with a bunch of extra hair and I just loved I was very happy with my look yeah you looked hot like sexy beautiful classy all of it (laughs) all of it we were here for that yes well Deandra we thank you so much for mingling with us and popping our real housewives cherry I know. We're not. You popped it, girl. You set that bar high, too. Let me tell you. Yes, you I don't know if Mama D would ever be interested, but we'd love to have her on the show if you want to put a good word in for us. (laughs) I will tell her. I will definitely tell her, okay? Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a safe flight back. Thank you, ladies. So nice to meet you, Erin and Erica. So nice to meet you. Thanks for mingling with us. Thank you for mingling with us. Take care. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode with Deandra Simmons. We really wanted to highlight her philanthropy, not just her role on Real Housewives of Dallas. So we hope that came through. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Happy Friday. And we hope you have a great weekend. Have a yummy mimosa this weekend. Make it a holiday one. Yes, holiday mimosas are the best. Don't forget to check out our stories on Mimosa Monday for the recipe. Till Till next time. time. Bye. Bye.